Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the True Blue Crime Podcast. My name is Dan, and as always, I'll be your host for this episode. This is episode 41, The Irish Crime Feud Part 2. If you guys have not listened to The Irish Crime Feud Part 1, please listen to that one first. This is going to be pretty heavy into the crimes uh, of the feud itself, but I'm not going to have much background on the families involved, just a quick synopsis. So listen to Part 1 first. It'll kind of set you up for what I talk about here, which is all the crimes that are going to occur between these two families. And uh, as soon as you listen to part one, come back and listen to part two here. Uh, Before we get into the episode, though, if you'd like to get updates about what the podcast is up to, please like and follow the True Blue Crime Productions Facebook page. More information can be found at the show's website at truebluecrimeproductions.com. And if you'd like to email me directly, my email is truebluecrimeproductions at gmail.com. If you can, please support the show via Patreon. Any donation level helps, and it'll help ensure I can keep making free episodes of the podcast and expand the podcast in the future. And I'm hoping eventually to get some donations here so that I can do some shout-outs in a future podcast and give these people a thank you over the air. So if you can, hop on on to Patreon. I think it's just a... I think I have like a $3 or $5 donation uh, function on there. You guys can uh, help me out. I greatly appreciate it so I can keep making these free podcasts. And for no cost whatsoever, please rate and review the show on whatever platform you're listening to uh, so that we can help expand the listenership. So thanks so much, and without any further ado, let's dive into this episode of True Blue Crime. Now in part one, we introduced you to the Irish organized crime families of the Hutches and the Kinahans. We mentioned they both gained power in the 90s, and for a time, they both worked side by side without too many issues. And the nephew of the founder of the Hutch crime family had been good friends with the son of the founder of the Kinahan family, and they'd done at least one major business deal together. So, again, prior to 2014, things were going pretty good. There wasn't a whole lot of power issues, turf issues. The Hutch crime family, mainly involved in uh, armored car robberies, bank robberies, fraud schemes, that kind of stuff. Kinahan family, much more into drugs and, and drug trafficking, so they're not stepping on each other's turf they're not you know taking business away from each other so everything's going good until there's a raid on the kinahans by the spanish uh, authorities and they grow suspicious of gary hutch thinking he might be an informant for the police and they refuse to return a large sum of money he had given them to launder which leads gary hutch uh trying to have his former friend and business partner daniel killahan uh, kinahan killed but the hitman makes a mistake and shoots an innocent friend of daniel's and after a year on the run gary hutch felt safe to return to spain due to some deals the two families had made but shortly after he returns he's executed outside his apartment and then we believe there's a retaliation shooting by the hutches which failed and another associate of their family is of the hutches family is killed outside a dublin restaurant at the end of 2015 so We will start this episode with the bloodiest year of the feud, which is 2016. And we start on February 5th, 2016. A boxing title fight was set to take place at the Regency Hotel in Dublin. But during the weigh-in, four attackers, two wearing Irish police emergency response uniforms and armed with AK-47s, rushed into the weigh-in and started shooting associates of the Kinahan family who were there promoting the fight. 
David Barn, a 32-year-old associate of the Kinahan crime family, was killed by the attackers, and two other people were injured. And it's believed that Daniel Kinahan was again the primary target, but again he had left the way in early, so he was not uh, there when this attack happened. And it did say later on a couple of the other people that were injured, I believe, were also members of the Kinahan crime family, but they were not, um, again, they weren't killed. They were, they were just injured because they were around this David Byrne who was a, a really good friend of Daniel Kinahan. A video would show that there were six people involved in the highly organized attack that occurred despite people being ready for an increased chance of violence uh, in retaliation for Gary Hutch's murder. And the attackers were able to make a clean getaway and then they burned the getaway van. And investigators would initially charge a guy, Patrick Hutch, but he goes by Patsy Hutch, uh, who is Gary's brother with the crime. Uh, but after the lead investigator in the case committed suicide, the charges were dropped. So there's a lot to kind of digest there. This is one of the major crimes of this whole thing. So we saw in 2015 things did not go well for the Hutch uh, group. They Gary Hutch is killed. They try to kill Gary's brother, Del Boy. In prison and then their one of their associates is killed outside this restaurant so if you got a scorecard going on it's it's zero for for Hutch and three for for Kinahan at this point and so kind of everybody knew something big was potentially going to happen because other than the accidental shooting of the boxer that was friends with Daniel nobody to this point has really been hurt by the Hutches. So when the Hutches decide that they're going to go forward with this this ret retribution, they they go all in and this was meant to be an assassination of Daniel Kinahan, which they probably would have felt would have been fair compensation for the loss of Gary Hutch at this point. So they go in again, four attackers, two have AKs, they're wearing uniforms that make them look like the Irish police version of SWAT and as soon as they get inside they start shooting but again Daniel Kinahan has left the building he's not there when this happens so he just misses being killed by these attackers and, and I mentioned they'd originally tried to charge uh, Patsy Hutch the monk's brother with the crime he was the father of uh, Gary Hutch and uh, Del Boy Hutch so they kind of figured if there's anybody out there that has a reason to attack uh, the Kinahans it, especially in this style this heavy it would be him and I, I couldn't find much more about this lead investigator in the case committing suicide it's said that that was heavily investigated, so I have to assume that it really was a suicide and not a scene staged to look like a suicide. And I don't under, also don't understand why the charges would be dropped because the lead investigator commits suicide. There's 
always other people that can step up and and continue the investigation but maybe maybe it was something where he was under pressure to create a case against uh, Patsy and he couldn't do it and the pressure was too much and he already had some mental health issues I don't know again that's speculation but it just seemed to me maybe they just wanted it so bad to be this uh, Patsy Hutch so they could just Put a, try to put an end to this thing, arrest him, and, and hope that the, the thing comes to an end, and they couldn't. But they are going to arrest two associates of the Hutches, who's this John and Patrick Dowdle. And these guys are also possible IRA members, the Irish Republican Army. And they are charged, and they will plead guilty to the murder of David Byrne in September of 2022. So we're jumping a little forward. And we'll talk about that trial in part three their plea deal and some of the stuff that goes on in the trials a result of this and these two guys are kind of interesting john is a elected representative from his area so he's a, a politician and patrick's his father i believe if i remember right uh, but these guys have ties to the ira and as we go on here i think we'll mention it later too but the hutches have ties with the IRA the Kinahans are enemies of the IRA so not to the point that when the Hutches and Kinahans were working together to a certain degree like it was going to cause problems with the IRA and the IRA of now was not the IRA of the 60s and 70s so take that as well but the IRA has ways to get weapons and so to have them as associates of the Hutches uh, makes sense that these guys are, are potential IRA members. Now it's not going to take long for the Kinahans to strike back. And three days after the hotel shooting, on February 8th, of, and this is still 2016, Eddie Hutch Sr. was murdered in his home. Now he's the brother of Gary Hutch, the monk, and uncle to Gary Hutch, who was killed and he was highly involved in the criminal actions of the Hutch family. And it's pretty clear the murder's retaliation for the hotel killing of David Byrne, and no one was ever charged with the murder. And on February 29th, a guy named Vincent Ryan was murdered while he sat in his car. And Vinny's brother, Alan Ryan, had been shot dead six years prior in an attempt to extort money from various gangs around the city. And as I mentioned, the Hutch gang is notoriously close with the IRA, so it's possible that uh, Allen, who was, I think he was the leader of the new IRA, it's possible that he was trying to extort the Kinahans, which led to his death. But it's most likely, just based on the timing of the shooting, that because the Ryans were well known to have access to guns, like the ones used in the hotel shooting, it's likely the Kinahans believed or had proof that the Hutches got their weapons from Vinnie Ryan. And the shooting happened after Vinnie's wife and daughter got out of the car and walked inside the house. The killers likely watched this happen and then drove up and shot into Vinnie's car. And they'd been driving this Volkswagen Golf and the suspect car was found an hour later burned out and the VIN showed it to be a stolen vehicle. Police were able to trace the movements of this car to a house in Dublin, and from there they identified the two men responsible for the murder. Evidence from the murder, including transfer evidence from the stolen car into the switch car, linked them to the murder. And they're 
they were charged with helping a criminal gang commit murder and were convicted and sentenced to roughly 10 years each so the reason I, there was actually a lot more information about this case um, than some of the other murders some of them are going to just be a couple sentences long uh, but this one had some stuff that was interesting one thing we're going to see from here on out almost all of these cases involve the suspects driving to a location in a stolen vehicle that vehicle is then found burned somewhere later as they get into it what they call the switch car so and in a couple cases i think it's a switch car is actually burned too because that's another stolen car so these guys are highly organized highly planning out these things so anytime one of these murders occurs you're going to see that same pattern and that's why police although this is involving a lot of different criminal organizations so it doesn't necessarily mean it was all part of the hutch kinahan feud police believe just based on what they're seeing time and time again that these are all guys that are given direction from from the gang now the other thing to note is that despite the fact that they're both charged with this increased crime of, of, of helping a criminal gang commit murder and one guy got like nine years the other guy got 11 years and and to me that's just mind-boggling that you can commit a murder in, in a country and be out in less than a decade and that's not even counting parole so i don't know why that is I, I know there's a lot of european countries that believe more in trying to rehabilitate people and get them back into into society but at the same time i guess i could see that on on some crimes but murder is kind of a head scratcher and and we're also going to see that the there's going to be bigger and bigger penalties as we go through here so i think as these as these gang members start to come more and more to court they start taking a more aggressive approach towards them on march 23 a friend of the monk gary hutch named noel king size duggan was shot and killed while he sat in his car and no suspects were arrested for this killing so it's not just going to be family members with the hutch last name or people that were directly linked to any of these shootings we're going to start to see that the kinahans if you have any association to gary hutch or the monk or anything like that you're a target on april 14th an innocent man named martin o'rourke was shot dead in what is believed to be another case of mistaken identity Police were not able to connect him to any criminal activity or either of the families and believe the shooter mistook him for a member of the Hutch family. And we're going to actually come back to that later because there's going to be another case and then resolution uh, for the shooter that, that shot this innocent man. On April 25th, Michael Barr was shot and killed in Dublin. The police believe he was targeted by the Kinahans because he was believed to have provided some of the weaponry used in the hotel attack to Hutch's gang. And a man named Eamon Cumberton was sentenced to life in prison for this murder. And that might be a case where, again, they killed Vinnie Ryan because they thought he provided weaponry. It may be that word on the street is that this Michael Barr provided them with something, and maybe maybe the media said weaponry but maybe they meant some uniforms or vehicles or whatever it may be um or maybe he worked with vinnie ryan uh, it was the middleman or the storage guy or something like that so again 
anybody who's associated with the shooting of David Byrne or uh, Gary Hutch, uh, just they have a target on their back right now. A month later, on May 24th, Gareth Hutch was fatally shot in the parking lot of his apartment complex. He was the monk's nephew and Gary's cousin. He did have a limited criminal past, but it said he wasn't heavily involved in the family crime ring. But I really don't think it matters to the, the Kinahan uh, group at this point. Again, if you've got the last name Hutch or you're associated with the, the gang in any way, um, you're fair game at this point. On June 18th, two members of the Kinahan organization were arrested and found to be in possession of a handgun. It is believed they were about to assassinate someone, but police were never able to figure out the target. On July 1st, David Douglas was shot and killed outside his shop in Dublin. Douglas had been attacked the previous November by members of the Kinahan family who believe that David Kern, who was killed in December of 2015, and Douglas tried to kill a senior Kinahan member earlier that month. Four people were convicted for this killing and sentenced to life in prison. So if you remember, we talked about David Kern getting killed at the end of December 25, or December of 2015. Uh, David Douglas was the other person believed to be that was believed to have tried to make the hit on the member of the Kinahan family. So they they tried they killed David Kern in December 2015. It sounds like they tried to kill David Douglas later that November after they made their attempt on the Kinahan family, but failed. And then now on July 1st of 2016, they succeed in, in shooting and killing David Douglas. And this is something we'll see too, and we'll talk about a little bit later with the uh, some of these family members, is they sometimes are surviving two, three, four uh, attempts on their life. It's not like the Kinahan family takes one pass at them, and if they survive, then they're you know off the list. This isn't you know final destination thing or anything. This is you know they're going to keep coming after you until you're dead if if they don't get you on the first try. On August 17th, Trevor O'Neill was shot and killed what is in what is believed to be another case of mistaken identity, and the suspect was believed to be the same shooter from the mistaken killing of Martin O'Rourke. And that guy was named Glenn, Car uh, Glenn Clark, and he was found dead inside a car later in 2016. So at this point, I'm guessing this Glenn Clark was, uh, was associated with the Kinahan group, but he obviously made not just one, but two mistakes and drew way too much attention uh, to the organization and their activities. And when you make that many mistakes, uh, you're going to find yourself to be on the, the receiving end of a bullet. And it's the Kinahans have an almost unlimited supply of, if you want to call them bad guys, and some of these are girls, because they're involved in the drug world. So they have a whole bunch of people that owe drug debts, and they call in those debts, and they're willing to say, hey, you know, you owe us 15 grand for in, in a Coke debt. We'll forgive you of that if you kill this member of the Hutch family for us. And a lot of these guys are you know, more than happy to get rid of their drug, drug debt if they're given a handgun and told to go, go kill somebody. So it's possible that this Glenn Clark was one of those drug debt people and they just said, hey, you know, we're looking for this guy. They give him a picture and 
having never done this before or being anxious to get rid of this drug debt, he runs up and shoots some guy. And the first time it's the wrong guy, and then the second time it's the wrong guy, and the Kennehans just say, eh, enough of this, and, and take care of that. On December of 2016, Noel, nicknamed Duck Egg Kerwin, who's a good friend of the monk, was shot and killed outside his house. Although he was friends with Gary Hutch, there did not appear to be a criminal connection outside their friendship, and police believe he was targeted because he was in a media picture with the monk at Eddie Hutch Sr.'s funeral. So he's just good friends with the leader of the Hutch gang. There was no proof that he was seriously involved in their activities, and I believe there was a you know, photo released at Eddie Hutch Sr.'s funeral that showed this guy and the monk standing together or talking or whatever it may be because they're friends and that was enough to get him land him on the the kinahan hit list of of guys that needed to be killed that were close to the hutch organization so that wraps up 2016 and we've now had 10 murders six are somehow associated with the hutches one with the kinahan and two innocent people were killed and then our final death is the the guy who shot the two innocent people by mistake so we have 10 people dead in 2016 it starts with the retribution killing uh, the attempt another attempt on daniel kinahan's life and basically the rest of 2016 is just the kinahan's trying to wipe out the hutches so we move on to 2017 on March 28, Tom Fox, who was in prison for the shooting death of Gareth Hutch, was stabbed several times in an attack linked to the feud. He would survive the stabbing. On April 4th, three Kinahan associates were arrested at a safe house in a suburb of Dublin. One of the men, a 58-year-old Estonian man, was believed to be a hitman hired by the Kinahan family to commit more murders as a part of the feud. Police were allegedly made aware of the men by the safe house owner, Named a guy named Eric Fowler, a known Kinahan associate. Now, Fowler is going to be found dead in December of 2018, and it's possible that it's related to somebody telling them that he tipped off the police. It's unknown if he tipped off the police, but he owns this safe house, and somehow the police show up there and arrest these three guys. Now, the Estonian man was named Emir Arakas, and was a well-known criminal with the nickname The Butcher. He had made a name for himself in 1979 when he was 20 years old and was helping to fight Soviet rule in Estonia. And he was doing this by stealing guns and ammunition for separatist groups. He was caught and sent to 15 years of hard labor in a Soviet work camp. After he was released from prison, he took up arms against a Russian organized crime group by joining an Estonian syndicate. The feud between the two groups resulted in more than a hundred deaths. He left Estonia in 1998 and became a freelance killer believed to be responsible for many deaths all over Europe. In 2017, he owed the Kinahan Syndicate around $100,000 and agreed to kill James, nicknamed Mago Gately, an associate of Gary Hutch. Police were tipped off, and some sources say it's the safe house owners, others say by international informants and Arrakos was put under surveillance and arrested at the safe house. He was sentenced to six years in prison on various charges and suffered a stroke while in prison. 
Lithuanian police have requested he be extradited to their country after his release from prison to stand trial for the 2015 killing of Demonatas Bugavicius, the lover of a Lithuanian pop star. So before we get a little any further in here, I just want to break down a couple things here. So I talked about they had to kill one of their quote-unquote hitman because he had killed two innocent people. And that's potentially as a result of a drug debt. And it makes me think that they went to some list of people that owed them money and said, hey, we've got this guy named The Butcher, and he owes us hundred grand. So let's start employing him because he's probably a little more trustworthy than this guy that we had to shoot in the head because he killed two innocent people. So they get this guy all the way up from Estonia and get him in the safe house and he's, he was tasked with going to kill this really good friend of, of Gary Hutch and before he can even do it he's uh, discovered by the police and again depends on which article you read some say it was it was tipped off by this guy that would later be killed and we'll talk about his death in part three or you know somebody ratted out the fact that Arrakis was in Ireland to potentially join in on this feud and they were paying attention when he came into the country and followed him to the safe house and then arrested him so they could get the other guys in the safe house too. That actually makes more sense to me but again the Kinahans have never let the truth get in the way of killing somebody so it's possible they just did it to cover their basis but again we'll, we'll talk about that that killing later. But despite the arrest of Imer Arrakis, the Kinahan group still made an attempt on James Gatesley's life on May 10th. The 29-year-old had been a longtime associate and friend of Gary Hutch and had been hiding out since Gary's murder and the ensuing feud. But while filling up his car at a gas station, he was shot five times by a lone gunman who then fled the scene. Gately was wearing a bullet-resistant vest and four of the shots were stopped by the vest. The fifth shots caused serious injury when it hit him in the jaw but he did survive the assassination attempt the media reported this was the second attempt on his life in six weeks although the only reference i found was the fact that arrakis had been hired to kill him so i couldn't find actually any proof that he'd been shot at or anything six weeks prior and the timeline just matches up so i i think the media was trying to say that he'd been on the hit list with this international murderer named the butcher and he was able to escape that just because they caught the butcher but then somebody actually tried to kill him on this day now colin smith a kinahan associate was found guilty of being the trigger man in the attempted murder it was found that smith had been following gately for at least a day around the town and learning his pattern before he decided to ambush him at a gas station Smith's vehicle was witnessed on several CCTV cameras and at the gas station the day before and during the time of the shooting. Police would later say Smith was either idiotic or felt a sense of impunity that led him to carry out such a brazen attack in public. He was sentenced to 20 years for the, for the attempted murder. Another Kinahan associate was found guilty of assisting Smith by helping him burn the vehicle used in the shooting, and that suspect was given an 11-year sentence. And this is where I talk about it seems like the, the, the sentences are getting more uh, punitive at this point as we get further into this investigation. Like 
the two guys that killed Vinnie Ryan got like nine years and 11 years. And maybe it was a situation where they, they couldn't figure out which one was the trigger man. I guess that's possible that they never knew who actually pulled the trigger. But in this case, just the guy that's that's known to be driving the, the switch car and helping this guy burn the car, he's getting an 11-year sentence, which is just as much as the, the, the guy who potentially pulled the trigger in in the Vinnie Ryan case and the actual trigger puller who didn't kill somebody in this case just attempted to kill somebody gets 20 years so he's getting twice the amount of time for an attempted murder that the other guys got for the actual murder so again I don't know if that's based on these guys criminal histories uh, or if it's again that they're realizing they got to crack down on this as time goes on now on May 31st Michael Keeg was shot dead while he was sitting in his car in the underground garage's apartment complex. His brother is Jonathan Keeg and his sister is Regina Keeg, and they were both convicted of the 2016 shooting of Garrett Hutch. Now this one's difficult to pin on any specific group because he's related to people who killed a member of the Hutch family, and he had worked for the Hutch family before, and he had Hutch friends and had other reasons to be targeted by the Kinahans, but he's also a potential target for several other rival gangs, so police can't really pinpoint who is responsible, and and they never developed any suspects. But then on September 17th, the police got a look at how organized these killings actually were. I think the police at this point understood that the Hutches were on the losing end of this battle, and many of the Hutch members were offered different forms of protection. I know some of them had police outside their residence 24-7. Um, sometimes they gave a vest uh, to the, the people, like they did. They gave it to James Gately. And another member of the Hutch group was a guy named Gary Hanley. And although his direct association with the Hutch group is a mystery, because he won't tell the media, and apparently the, the police won't tell the media either, he was he was on the radar of the police and they had a, a team assigned to watching him and one day these this team that's watching him uh, finds two tracking devices on his car and they're put there by members of the Kinahan group and an investigation is launched and soon a three-man team of assassins was tracked down and the leader of this group is a guy named Alan Wilson and Alan's family is they're all pretty much spending time in prison for murder. I think he's got three either brothers or sisters or three brothers. I can't remember, but they're all spending time in prison for murder, and one of his siblings has been murdered. And Alan's suspected in a 2008 murder of a young woman, but he wasn't found there. He's found not guilty. However, he was found guilty of attacking a man with a meat cleaver during 2009 burglary. But by 2017, he's out of prison and he recruits his 19-year-old nephew who's blind in one eye after being shot in the head by a lifelong friend the year prior. And then he rounds out the team with a heroin addict who had 64 previous convictions on his record. And the crew is funded by Kinahan's group and given a weapon and equipment and told to take Gary Hanley out. Police wired the van the group used and so the police could survey them and followed them around for weeks as they planned out the hit. The suspects knew Hanley would be wearing a vest, that he had a security door in his house, and he had cameras, so they made plans to hit him when he was on the way to the gym. 
everything was planned out, including they tie stuff to light poles at the point of attack, and they had, they had parked switch cars in different locations that they could get to and jump out after they burned the van. And they emphasized the point that Hanley had to die in order for them to get paid. And I think it was something like 15 grand. They said something like, we won't get our 15 grand unless, unless he dies. So, again, sometimes it's, it's drug debts that are getting paid off. And I think that might have been the case with like the, the heroin addict, uh, the third member of this team. He owed a drug debt, and that was going to be wiped clean if he participated in this. And I think he was just the driver or responsible for the switch car or something like that. And these other two, the, the, the Wilson uh, relatives, it was Alan Wilson and Luke Wilson, these two guys were the ones that were, who were actually going to get paid if... Hanley died and just as the preparations looked like they're gonna be final the police moved in and arrested all three of the suspects and it looks like they arrested them just in time because the trio was found with masks a loaded handgun and containers of fuel ready to use to burn the van and the group was sentenced to between 6 and 12 years in prison we get towards the end of 2017 here. The final event is the murder of 24-year-old Kane McCormick on December 1st. Uh, he had told his partner he was going to meet someone and then never returned. His body was found nearby with a single gunshot wound to the head. And Kane's father was Noel Kerwin, and that's, I believe, the duck egg guy. He was a Hutch associate, good friend with the monk, that was killed the year prior during the feud. It's believed he went to an Aldi supermarket and got into a black car that then drove off. And police would find this black car burned out the same day Kane's body was found. And Kane had been arrested earlier that year and found to be in possession of 50 rounds of handgun ammunition. So it's possible that police believed he was killed by Kinahan Associates because they caught wind that he maybe wanted revenge for his father's death. But then police also had to admit that Kane had other enemies and the killing could be unrelated to the feud. And that's something we haven't talked about yet. I mean, it's been mentioned a couple times uh, as we talked about stuff, but we've mentioned it before in other cases where we talked about when you have two serial killers operating in the same area, it's sometimes difficult for the police to pin a crime on one or the other, especially if they have a similar method of operation. When you get into organized crime, a lot of these times, a, a criminal in one organized crime un, uh, syndicate, he may have either been in other organized crime syndicates, he may have committed crimes that pissed off several organized crime syndicates. So it's very difficult for the police to say in, in some instances that this 100% was a killing that's related to this feud. But being that his dad was killed and that was known to be uh, killing associated with with the feud police tend to lead towards this having some involvement again whether it's because he was potentially going to try to take out a kinahan target to avenge his father or whether it was just another killing of another hutch associate because he's you know a, a second degree hutch associate at this point because his father was so i don't know again it's just one of those things where the ammo fits as well. You know, he's single shot to the head. The car's burned out afterwards. I think police just, just tend to believe that when you've got all this 
you have too many uh, too many similarities between him and other Hutch associates that were killed for this not to be uh, part of the feud. So that's going to bring us to the end of 2017. And while the body count isn't nearly as high as 2016, it's clear to police that this is an ongoing feud and one that's not going to stop until one family is wiped out or all thrown in jail. And, and again, it's not like the police aren't doing anything. They're, they're doing everything they can, and we'll talk about a little bit in part three some of the reasons and some of our obvious why they're, why they're trying to put a stop to this. Because I think some people could legitimately ask, aren't you just, aren't you better off if you just let one crime family kill off another? I mean, again, I, I mentioned it in part one, in this case, you've got suspects that are victims and victims that are suspects. It's, there's not a whole lot of, other than the, the innocent people that were killed or the boxer that was shot, there's not a whole lot of people that we're going to talk about in this case that don't have some type of criminal connection to one fa organized crime family or the other. Uh, so I guess it, it, it's not unreasonable for somebody to ask. Wouldn't it be better if the police just kind of let this thing work itself out? But again, we'll talk about in part three why why I don't think they're going to let that happen. And like I said, that's it uh, for part two. We'll get to part three tomorrow. Thank you guys for listening. Stay tuned for future episodes and feel free to write me at trueblucrimeproductions at gmail.com. You can also find me at True Blue Crime Productions on Facebook and support me via Patreon at True Blue Crime Productions. So that's it for today. Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you later. Goodbye.